You're listening to a message from Pastor Jack Holt at the River. Tonight I want to talk about mastering your mountains. And when I talk about this particular topic, a mountain could be an emotional condition that you keep having. A mountain could be a financial barrier that you can't get above. A mountain could be an illness in your, in your life. How do you master those mountains and get through them? If you ever study scripture really clearly, you'll realize that whenever someone would master a mountain and overcome it, there was always a mental shift in the way the individual thought. Whether it was a mental shift in seeing themselves as God sees them or a mental shift in perceiving the problem the way God sees the problem, there was always a shift in the way the individual thought. And so tonight as we look at this, I want you to ask yourself this question, uh, do you need a mental shift in your thinking tonight? Do you have something in your life that you want to change and it seems like you can't change it? It seems like no matter you have faith in the name of Jesus and the power of God and all that, it seems like you're unable to really change it, even though the name of Jesus is above everything. Maybe what you need tonight is a new perspective, a new way of looking at it so that your faith will soar rather than your faith being put under you. Amen? So I want you to turn, if you would, to Romans chapter 3, and I want to show you one of my favorite verses in the Bible. It shows you that whenever God gives you something in your life, a dream, a vision, a goal, something that God wants you to accomplish, whether having your children be successful in life, whatever it may be, that there's nothing that can stop it. Now watch what it says. For what if some did not believe? Will their unbelief make the faithfulness of God without effect? Certainly not. Indeed, God, let God be true and every man a liar as it is written. You may be justified in your words and may overcome when you are judged. In other words, nothing that someone says to you, nothing that a friend or a culture or anyone else says you can't do it will stop the effectiveness of God. The only thing that can stop the effectiveness of God is you yourself. Say that. I'm the only one that can stop it. So what I want you to think tonight is simply this. Whatever your dream and vision is, there's no outside sources that can stop it. The only sources that can stop it is within you. If you can think in a way that will support your faith, no matter what it is, you'll be able to accomplish it. Because the battleground of your faith is in the mind. And, and if you think right, your doubts and unbeliefs will not find access into your heart. And they will not cripple the faith that God put in you. And you will see what God has promised in your life come to pass. The crazy thing about believing is believing really is neutral in Scripture. Uh, believing something, you can believe things that are not true but still believe they're true. But the difference with Christianity is we're believing truth. And when you believe truth, that truth will always set you free. Amen? Now, I want you to see this, if you would. Look with me over to 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 3 and 5. And let's look at these as foundational verses. For though we walk in the flesh, we do not war according to the flesh. Let me stop there. You've got to learn that in the natural world we live in, we walk in the flesh. 
But when it comes to warring against mountains and problems in our lives, you have to have a shift in the way you think in order for your faith to succeed. You can't just walk by what you see. You walk by what you believe, and you think in line with that word. Can you say amen? Now, I want you to notice again in the next verse, verse 4, for the weapons of the warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for the pulling down of strongholds, casting down arguments in every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into the captivity to the obedience of Christ. I know you know this verse, but I want to show you something that's critical about it. And that is a stronghold. You might want to write this down. This is what a stronghold is. A stronghold is a condition that you have been conditioned in in the past. In other words, because of something that happened in the past, there are strongholds in your life that have trained your body to feel negative feelings or feel bad attitudes. That's a stronghold. It comes from negative thinking mostly. A negative thinking in a trial in your past can train your body to have negative emotions in your life. Instead of a winning, uh, a winning attitude, you have a losing attitude. Instead of being in joy, you're depressed. You don't feel good. You don't like your life it's it's like that that's what a stronghold is a stronghold is when in the past your body was trained to have a negative feeling because of something that you went through in your life the reality is if we're going to accomplish what god calls us to do we have to have a winning attitude and so you have to remove these mental strongholds in your life to get that winning attitude without that winning attitude you don't have the spirit of faith without that winning attitude you're not going to give it all that you want without that winning attitude you won't believe for as much as you should amen so i want you to say to yourself do i go through my life full of joy or do i go through my life full of depression do i always have a positive attitude in my life or do, do i am i kind of up and down like a yo-yo because spiritual growth is about removing those strongholds. Now, let me say this about the strongholds. Strongholds are not just something that was five years ago or 10 years ago. They could be a stronghold this week that happened to you. It's something that happened to you in your life that got you depressed, that got you upset, that caused you to think in a negative way that caused your body to have terrible feelings. And now every time God wants you to do his will in that area, this negative feeling comes up, this line of thinking comes up that created that negative emotion in your life, and it keeps you from doing the will of God in your life. It keeps you forgiving people. It, forg it keeps you from obeying God. It keeps you from being sold out. It keeps you in a state of losing attitude where you cannot succeed and win in your life. Hallelujah. And I know when I preach this, some people say, well, that doesn't really make that big a difference. It does. So you can't have spiritual growth with a lot of strongholds in your life. 
And those strongholds, the Holy Ghost will show you what they are. He'll bring to remembrance. He'll, he'll bring out the way that you were thinking at the time that you got offended, at the time that you thought that way, and the time you thought you couldn't do it. He'll bring that up so that you can have a positive victory in your life. I think some people, they're, I call them hoarders. Ever see that movie Hoarders, where people hoard things up? There's a lot of believers like that. They're hoarders. They're still hoarding up in their, in their house, in their home, something that someone did to them five years ago, 10 years ago. They got it in the closet. You look up in the attic and they got things that their parents did. They got things that is on their family tree. And their whole house has got these things that they've hoarded and won't let go. Now, I know that's for someone else because you guys are on fire. Amen? But have you ever known a hoarder? They remember everything that is bad and never remember anything that is good. Oh, yeah, I remember them. Yeah, they did that. Blah, 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 blah. Bless their darling little hearts. They need to grow spiritually. When you grow spiritually, you realize there's a stronghold in your life. That is what's keeping me from being sold out. That last church that offended me is keeping me from being sold out. That last boyfriend I had is keeping me from being sold out. That last layoff is, is, is preventing me from believing for a, big, uh, a business. It's a stronghold. Now, I'm going to show you tonight, and you're going to like this. How, how do you change negative thinking into positive thinking? How do you... Say it like tonight. Listen, I'm going to leave. I'm going to be a positive person. How, how do you do that? Because I've tried it. It don't work. How do you do it? Pastor, I've tried. I'm good for a couple hours, and then it goes back. How do you fix it? I'm going to share something with you tonight that is so powerful. Once you see this, it will motivate you. When you realize that negativity, how powerful it is in destruction, you're going to be very motivated to change. Let me show you a verse, Proverbs 18, 21. We could quote it, but I want to show you the word order. Look at this. Say death and life. He didn't say life and death. He said death and life are in the power of the tongue, and those who live or love it will eat its fruit. Not all the time does it start with a negative in Scripture. When Israel was going into the promised land, God said, I said before you, blessing and cursing. He didn't say, I said before you, cursing and blessing. It started with the blessing. Here, it is stressing the negative. In other words, out of your mouth is either life or death. And he stresses the death. I I'm going to relate something to you from this verse that's so powerful. They did a study, I believe it was in Harvard, about the power of negativity. And they discovered this, that when somebody has a negative thought, there's seven to, how do I say this? Seven to 14 times more probable they're gonna have a problem than if they think a positive thought. 
7 to 14 times more. That was just thinking it. But the moment someone said the negative thought, it went from that statistic to 40 to 70 times more probable that that individual is going to have some bad stuff hit them. Soon as they said what was negative in their mind, it spearheaded to that level. Wow. No wonder it says death and life is in the power of the tongue. He didn't say death and life is in negative thinking. It mentioned the tongue. I don't know about you. I, I would be really happy if the only negative thoughts I had was in my mind. My problem is it comes out of my mouth sometimes. Come on. Am I preaching to the choir here? Are you guys with me here? Come on. Everybody normal. Everybody human. Everybody messes up. Come on. Amen. But notice the probability of having more problems increases by negative thinking and even worse by negative speaking. Yeah. Remember I said this, never let a negative statement come out of your life without a positive ending. That's why, this particular verse. Let me, get, let me show you how drastic this is. I'm going to give you two examples. These are true stories. There was a man, he was on a train, he worked on the train. And how many know that on trains they have refrigeration systems? They send meat and things on, on, on trains. Well, somehow he got in this refrigeration and he locked the door behind him and he couldn't get out. Now he's on a train, it's moving, pounding on the door, but he's in this refrigerator. He got locked in, one of the employees there. And he's yelling and everything else, but nobody on the train can hear him. Train's going, it's roaring, whatever. And so he writes down on a journal that he had what was experiencing in this refrigerator. And he says, I'm getting cold. And he wrote down there, I'm getting cold. I'm, I'm, I'm having a hard time keeping myself awake, and I know I'm going to die. He wrote that down on this journal. At the end of that day, the train finally stopped, and, it was, and the freezer was open, and he was in there dead. But the part that blew everybody away was this. The refrigeration system in that freezer had broken and it was only 56 degrees. He died because of how he was thinking. He killed himself by how he was thinking. We all know people who have been married for years and years and years and a spouse dies and the other one dies two weeks later. That's exactly why. It's, it's the power of how negative thinking works. Now, let me show you the opposite of that. This happened to a young man that was going to Harvard. And he had to take a, a test, TSA test, which is a test that tells your aptitude, how smart you are and all that, because a lot of the classes they have are extremely difficult. And uh, if you're, you're not a genius, you can't be in some classes. And it, it, and it registers, the highest you can get is 16,000 or 1,600, excuse me. And he got his test results back, which was 1,300. The average is about 1,000, a little over that on the test. 
And so he was blown away. Wow. So he and his mom was so blown away, he invited him over the house and said, did you cheat? He said, Mom, I would have if I could have, but you couldn't in this class situation. You couldn't cheat. She said, how in the world did you get that highest score? He says, I don't know. I just went in there and filled it out and got it. And so because he had such a high score, they put him in classes that people who were, you know, that were brilliant in. And it just opened up doors and doors of scholarships and everything else. You're talking about, you know, it was a brainiac guy here. So he takes the classes at the end of the year, he gets a letter from Harvard and they said, I'm so sorry, we made a mistake on your test results. You actually got like 900. You didn't get 1,300. We're so sorry. We messed up. Here's a guy that was learning at a level that he never thought was possible simply because he believed he was smart when in reality he was stupid. Or not stupid, he just wasn't brilliant. <laughs> but he believed it. Now, my question to you with, with both of those things in mind, being Christians, being full with the Holy Ghost, do you think possibly the way you think will affect the way you believe? Absolutely. If I think wrong or think at a lower level, I'm not going to believe at a higher level. If I think that, you know, I don't have the mind of Christ and I can't do this and do that, it's going to limit what I can do in my life. Negative thinking, whew is such a universal problem in the world because we're all sinners. We all got bad pasts. We all got things in our lives that upset us and mess us up and all that stuff. But the reality is, is that when you come to Christ, God wants you to change the way you think and think of those things that appear in true and upright and so forth. Why? So that you can do great things so that you can believe for great things rather than have some negative beliefs in your life that are holding you back from the life that God has called you to. How many people have I known that are still single simply because they got hurt by the broken relationship and they won't go into another relationship? So they spend their life lonely when they don't want to be lonely and they miss out on that adventure or someone's business fails and they get they lose so much and they have so much negative thinking about their business or whatever that they just go work for somebody they don't really want to work for don't pay them that much and and even though they have a calling in their life to to do this they're afraid to do it their thinking sabotages them I'm here to tell you tonight, we're going to straighten that out. We're going to bring it to another level. Amen. We're going to be the most positive thinkers in, in Kent. Amen. Because we want to believe God. We want to believe for a breakthrough. We want to believe that God will change your life, change your family, change your finances. Come on, bring you to the dream level that God has called you to in your life. Always remember this, that willpower will always succumb to your true identity let me say it again 
Willpower will always give in to your true identity. If you think you're a loser, you can have all the willpower in the world, and you're going to go for a while, but it will eventually give in to your true identity, what you think you are. If you believe you're a winner, your willpower won't give in because a winner doesn't quit. Are you listening to me? And so willpower alone is not enough to get the breakthrough that we need in our lives. And I want to mention something here in, at this point of the message. When you've been in Christian faith as long as I have, there's a lot of things that are like taboo you don't talk about. Because we've been conditioned that to say that is wrong. Like, for instance, pastors are not supposed to tell people in the church to have self-confidence. We shouldn't have any confidence in ourselves. It should all be in Christ. Well, that's not completely true. The difference is people outside of the church are not in Christ. They're alone. Self-confidence of them creates pride. But for a believer inside of the church, we are in Christ. We are his body. We are his hands. We are his mind. We are his body. And that's why Paul, speaking great self-confidence when he said this, I can do all things. He didn't stop there because he wasn't alone. Through Christ who strengthens you. You got to have confidence in what God has given you. You got to have confidence in the fact that you can do whatever God called you to do because God is your power, God is your source, God is your resource. God can help you get through anything in your life. So we should be some of the most confident people in the world. Because we got Christ inside of us. Amen. And that doesn't mean you're cocky or anything else. It just means that, Lord, I know with you I can do everything. I know I can overcome that worry. I know I can cast down that thought. I know I can break that addiction. I know that I can go to the next level. I know that I can be the husband you want me to be. Or I can be the wife you want me to be. Uh, Lord, I know that because I'm in you. And because I'm in you, the power is in me. And I can prevail because I got my life, I got my earth, I got my suit on. I got my supernatural Iron Man suit on. I'm just a man inside, but I got you on the outside, and that Iron Man suit is powerful. That Iron Man suit can fly. Hallelujah. Anyway, I wanted you to see that because you need to build that in you. God won't do it without you. You've got to be confident in what God will do in your life. If you're not, the devil will spit you out and throw away the key. Amen? I'm going to show you a couple of verses. Romans 8, 17 says that we're joint heirs with Christ. Hey, joint heirs. You know what that means? That means it's not 50-50. It means everything Jesus has is yours. Everything. Everything. When he was on that cross, God put the curse on him for you. Poverty, sickness, spiritual death, brokenness of home, lack, all that went on Jesus. When God rose him from the dead, that was his inheritance. He was delivered from all those things, and they were all placed under his feet, and now we have access 
to everything that Jesus inherited, it is now mine. I, I didn't deserve it, but Christ deserves it. And because I'm in him, I deserve it, praise God. I can receive it because he is everything to me, praise God. Now watch this, Psalms 2, and let me give you an example of this in Scripture. I declare, to, declare and decree, the Lord has said to me, you are my son, today I have begotten you. That verse is referring to the resurrection. Can you say amen? Now watch the next verse. Ask of me and I will give you the nations for your inheritance and the ends of the earth for your possessions. In other words, what it's basically saying is, is the Father gave all that to Jesus. And because he gave it to Jesus and because I'm in Christ, everything that was given to Jesus has been given to me. That's why he said, ask whatever you want in my name and I will give it to you. It's part of our inheritance. Hallelujah. The problem that we have is we forget this. We forget what we have and the devil robs us of what we could have. Psalms 103 says this, bless the Lord, O my soul, and all is within me, and forget not all his benefits. Don't forget it. Don't forget it. Get your mind thinking about what you possess, what is available to you. It doesn't matter how big it is, how grand it is. The earth and the fullness of belongs to the Lord. It's Jesus' inheritance, and it is our inheritance, praise God. Now watch this verse in James, put it up there. For he observes himself, goes away, and immediately forgets what kind of man he, he was. So my question is, what kind of man are you? Or what kind of woman are you? Are you a virtuous woman or not? Are you a king or a pauper? Because it won't do any good to believe for a palace if you're a poor person. Poor person can't take care of a palace. You've got to be a king to take care of a palace. Your identity in Christ will determine what you can hang on to and what you can't hang on to. I like to do it on this. When you go to, you know, you get your paycheck this week or if you get paid every two weeks, you go to the bank to deposit the money, right? So you take that check that you got from your job and it's made out to you, right? You go to the teller. And you put your driver's license in there with a deposit slip and the check. Why do you have the driver's license in there? Because it was made up to you. You can't come in there and go, I think I'm this person. They won't, they won't cash the check. The check was made out specifically to you. When you got born again, God made it specifically out to you. If you don't know who you are, you can't cash the check. You can't get the resources. But when you realize it was made up to you as a champion, as an overcomer, as someone that could prevail, praise God. That's for me. But the problem with a lot of us is we have those moments in our lives where we struggle with our identity. And because we struggle with our identity, we miss out on what God has for us. It's because we have someone tell us we're a loser. You're no good. You can't do this. None of that matters once you come to Christ. The old man has died. The new man is alive. But sometimes the devil wants to bring the old man up so that we'll think on that identity. Because we have that identity, he can't get nothing from God. But the identity you have now can. 
The reality of your life is determined by your identity. If you want to have a better reality in your life, what kind of person do you believe you are? Because your reality will always follow the kind of person that you feel that you are. Can you say amen? Don't forget you were dead with Christ and God rose you up and you're a new creature in Christ Jesus. Don't forget that you're seated in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Don't forget that you're the head and not the tail. Don't you forget that everything is under your feet. Don't you forget that whatever you're going through, Christ is bigger and greater and that you don't have to settle for it. You don't have to settle to be broke all your life. You don't have to settle to be alone all your life. You don't have to settle to get just enough. You don't have to settle for it. Last time I checked, Jesus said, I come to give them life and more abundantly. He didn't say I come to give you just enough life. He said I come to give you more than enough life. More than enough come on more than enough healing more than enough break more than enough oh man I preach myself happy here see what I'm doing is I'm showing you the cause and the effect did you hear what I said the cause and effect see most people go through their life and they have ups and downs and problems and those problems create strongholds and that becomes the cause which causes an effect in their life of feeling like a loser feeling like I, I got a bad I feel like I can't do it feeling like I can't overcome and it blocks their life but rather than dealing with the effects why not deal with the cause why not create a cause inside of you that causes you to win in life why not, why not work on that rather than allowing your ups and your downs to determine the reality in your life? I would rather let my faith determine the reality of my life. I would rather let the truth of who I am in Christ. I want that to determine my reality. I don't want the circumstances. See, oh, Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. See, whatever you're going through right now is not what determines how you see it. The way you see yourself is what determines how you see it. And if you don't see yourself right, you'll be wiped out. I know all about it because I've studied Reformed teaching, AG teaching, all kinds of teaching, and most of them go too far and they say, you're a sinner. You're full of sin, and that's absolutely true. But after I got saved, that all changed. Amen. I'm no longer a sinner. Now I'm a saved saint. Now I'm positioned in Christ. Now I've been forgiven of all my sins. I'm no longer a sinner. I am a saint. That's why all the epistles are addressed to the saints. And I can't believe that he addressed to the saints because he writes it to Corinthians. And in Corinthians, man, they were doing all kinds of immoral things. They were drunken. They were drink, getting drunk during communion. And he calls, he dares to call them saints. Why? Because that's what they were in Christ. And if they just would have not forgot, that's who they are. They wouldn't have acted 
acted like who they used to be. They would have started acting like who they are right now in Christ Jesus. So you have to distinguish the difference between before you come to Jesus and after you come to Jesus and embrace the redemptive power of Christ in your life. And when you do that, you will begin then to change. I mean, change your reality. I'm going to give you a truth that's so powerful. Proverbs 23 says this, as a man thinks, so is he. But I want you to see the, the preference, what he's saying. As a man thinketh, as he regularly thinks, so is he. Now, I'm getting you all pumped up tonight. A lot of you feel like champions. But if you want your identity to stick under pressure, you got to be thinking it all the time. Not, not see, in my house, I have, a, uh, I have one of those fancy uh, thermostats you can run with your phone and all this stuff. You turn the heat up and down even when you're not at the home. And it has this feature that drives me crazy. You can set it for 72 degrees, whatever you want, and it will, after a period of time, go back to what it's set at most of the time. It will go back to it. Now, the problem is, in the church, we have people who believe they're below average. We got people who believe they're average. Those are usually the, the most common in the church. I'm just average. And then you got a few oddballs that believe they're above average. Now, amen, pray it, praise God. The thermostat represents your identity. So if you think you're below average, you're just down there, whatever, you set that thermostat, and no matter what you do, the house is always going to cool to whatever temperature that is because you're below average. It doesn't matter if it's hot outside and you open up the doors. It will eventually take the house down to that temperature. And then you have those who are average. And they said it. It represents their identity, who they think they are. And even if somebody blesses them with a million dollars, because they're average, it'll begin to dwindle, 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 dwindle until they have an average income. Because your identity controls your destiny. And then you got a few, like in the back, in here, you know you're above average. And you set it. That means you have a capacity to, to believe for bigger things. And even if you uh, believe for bigger things and it fails, it all, you're, you'll always attract to yourself whatever level that is. And in your house, it'll always be at that level. And see, oh, praise God. Here's the problem in the church. We go through a trial and we're, we got it set high. And then someone says, you're a loser. Someone says, if it was God's will, it would have worked by now. You're just an average person, and you turn it back down. 
The only time it automatically goes back up is when you've been thinking about it all the time. I am thoroughly convinced that I'm a king. I'm thoroughly convinced I'm royalty. I'm thoroughly convinced that I'm a child of God. I'm thoroughly convinced that God wants to give me supernatural increase, that he wants a hundredfold return in my life. He doesn't just want a 30 or a 60. He wants a hundred. Oh, glory to God. I know who I am in Christ. No devil's going to take me down. I'm going to rise up because it says that a righteous man or a man that knows who he is may fall seven times, but he'll rise back up because that's what his thermostat is set at. I can't do anything but have more than enough. I can't do anything but get healed. I can't do anything but get a breakthrough. Thanks for listening today. For more messages like this one, check out our podcast, River App, and our website at theriver.church. We're the river, and we're doing life together.